Cartier watches and gold bars reveal the truth of government corruption. And two politicians who are destroying Australia. Coming up on this week's Citizens Report. Welcome to the Citizens Report. The 18th of February, I'm Robert Barwick and I'm joined today by Citizens Party organiser Glenn Isherwood. Welcome, Glenn. Thanks, Robbie. In this week's show, we're going to discuss two scandals that are actually being played, um, uh, underplayed, Glenn, and swept under the carpet, but that's not going to happen here. And I'll give people a preview. The two politicians who are destroying Australia, their names are Morrison and Kitching. But first... Um, you can help us share this show and share our message by clicking like, uh, share it, use the share button to, to email it and share it around social media. If you haven't already subscribed, um, click the subscribe icon and the bell icon so you can get the, uh, the notifications when each new show is put up. We don't just do the Citizen Report, we have other uh, products that we put up during the week as well, sometimes long-form interviews of our Citizens Insight show. And um, last week it was our candidates launch, and we're going to be doing a few more of those live streams, aren't we, Glenn? Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Robbie. Uh, definitely worth checking in regularly because we have uh, campaign videos going up, explanations of our 15-point program, and uh, we have launched our candidates' uh, campaign website. So you can check out the profiles of all of our uh, candidates across the country running for the Senate and uh, every day we're getting expressions of interest for more people uh, wanting to run as candidates uh, to champion the policies of the Citizens Party and that's excellent. It is excellent and um, the first item we're going to talk about today uh, ties in with the, the, the flagship campaign policy we have which mm -hmm. is an Australia Post bank um, but we have to report here a scandal that seemingly no one else is reporting. So let's go there first, Glenn. Cartier watches and gold bars reveal the truth of government corruption. And we are responsible for reporting on this because we are the party that made it an issue in the first place. Um, this week, here's the breaking news headline. We put it out in the press release mm -hmm. today. This is what the media should be reporting. Scott Morrison lavishes 200 Cartier watches on Australia Post executives. And we'll put a little asterisk on Cartier watches because... Of course, he didn't actually give him Cartier watches. What he did was approve Australia Post lavishing about a million bucks, at least, I estimate, mm. on what they call retention bonuses on five executives so that these executives wouldn't bail out of the sinking ship and follow Christine Holgate out the door because of the chaos in Australia Post, because of what Scott Morrison and his partner in crime, Kimberly Kitching, did to Christine Holgate on the 22nd of October 2020, when they ambushed her over the Cartier watches. I'm not sure how many it has been, but when Holgate left Australia Post, there was a mass exodus. There was a mass exodus. Uh, the morale, you know, as you said, uh, it was not there. This 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 politicised board of Liberal Party sycophants and, um, yep. you know, appointees well, uh, and cowards basically let her go. And that crushed a lot of the um, spirit in Australia Post, and some of those executives were instrumental in uh, achieving that uh, uh, that Bank at Post deal, which would earned her this uh, the ire of the big four banks. 
And when you say crush the spirit, I mean, think about if you're an Australia Post executive, right? Put your cynicism aside now. Yeah, Australia Post has a bunch of highly paid executives. We know that. But they're human beings as well. And in 2017, Christine Holgate got the job at Australia Post. And she saw that a number of problems had to be solved and she set out to solve them. And one of them was the problem of the licensed post offices, which are these 2,850 small businesses, were going broke. And she said to them, what's the number one problem that's costing you money? And they said, banking. When we serve the customers of the banks that have been abandoned by their banks because they're shutting down branches, our queues are getting longer and longer, we have to serve their customers and they're not paying us enough for it. Mm. And she said, okay, I'm going to make them pay. And by doing so, she didn't only save the licensed post offices, Glenn, she saved the whole service that's called Bank at Post. And that means she saved the communities who don't have banks but have a post office who are able to go to the post office and do their banking. Because if they couldn't do that, a lot of communities, especially more isolated ones, would wither and die. And she knew that. And she saved them. And there was four executives who worked with her on that. And they, the, the subsequent inquiry noted that they worked nights, weekends, and public holidays intensely to land this deal. They went above and beyond. This was not their job. This was a special project they worked with Christine Holgate on. When she landed the deal and she saved the licensed post offices and saved the regional community's banking services, she was so emotionally grateful. She wanted to recognise the work of these executives and she gave them a watch each. And a $5,000 watch each, right? In 2018. In 2018. A full uh, two years before the, uh, the pandemic of, uh, yep. came in March 2020. But two years later, mm. for reasons that are still not clear, a very, very nasty, and we'll talk about it more later, Labor senator named Kimberly Kitching, an incredibly nasty person, ambushed Christine Holgate out of the blue in a Senate estimates hearing over these watches, knowing what they were for to make a big deal about spending $20,000 of taxpayers' money on executives. And then the rest everyone knows better. Scott Morrison did the most awful, appalling, mm. disgusting, brutal public execution of a public official ever seen in Australia by, by brutalising her on the national stage of question time and ordering her out of Australia Post, right? Over $20,000 in watches. And the executives who participated in this very, very good thing for Australia, they saw how it was twisted into something bad and then they saw how their own government turned on them and their own Australia Post board turned on them, Glenn. Mm. Right? And that's what destroyed morale. That's like, what, we, what are we doing working here if this is what can be done to us? If they can mm. decapitate someone as spectacular as Christine Holgate, what are we doing here? And they did follow her out the door. So what happened? Well, we'll play the video because... Um, the Green Senator, Sarah Hanson-Young, who chaired the Australia Post inquiry last year that we got up um, and did a very good job, uh, frankly, I was glad she did, she's followed up this question because it did become... It, the the rumour got around that Australia Post, in order to stop this hemorrhaging of executives, um, and I'll tell you why, they were really worried. They've got a new CEO coming in in September, right? And they're thinking, if all these executives leave, he's not going to know... He's not, there's not going to be any continuity. How's he going to know how to learn the ropes, right? So they threw retention bonuses at five executives. They said, here's some money so you don't leave. Not because you've done something good. Just please don't leave. So Sarah Hanson-Young wanted to know how much they were. Play the tape.
lots of Australians, particularly those who worked in, work in aged care facilities right now, would just be gobsmacked. Half a million dollars retention bonus over three years. Um, and that individual retained the ability to also get the, intent, uh, the incentive bonus as well. Yes, Senator. Oh, my God. That's a lot of money. Well, Senator... Yeah. That's a lot of money okay. from a public organisation. Hmm. That's well, extraordinary. Mr Graham has spoken okay. to the circumstances. Talk is, about out of touch. This is... Um... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> We were, when we heard about this last year, we talked about this last year, we heard it was $250,000. We now know one executive got $500,000 mm -hmm. and four others got lesser amounts, but there would have been hundreds of thousands each, right? And that's why we're estimating a million bucks and that's the equivalent of 200 of the watches that mm. Christine Holgate gave four executives for doing a damn good job. Mm. And... Um, I remember when Holgate, the, the, it was all in the media, there was stories on Four Corners about the Holgate, and you had Paul Fletcher, Simon Birmingham, these um, MPs fronting the cameras, because he's, I mean, yeah. Paul Fletcher's responsible for the communications uh, portfolio, and with, with the most unexpressionist, unemotional response, he said, um, you know, these great big gigantic bonuses paid out on the NBN, oh, that was protocol, we were following all the, um, the, the right, correct channels. He didn't bat an eyelid that it was running into the tens of, you know, 20 million, yeah. I, I, actually that's way, way under what NBN bonuses were. But here you have a case where it's astronomical compared to this, you know, in, incredible crime that Holgate committed. Um, and where are these ministers? Where's their... Uh, Where's the outrage? They, if, if they were to front the camera today, what would they say to this? Where is um, Paul Fletcher and Simon Birmingham to front up um, uh, the cameras to, ex to justify this? Well, just uh, like in... It's know, crickets, yeah. There's a famous Shakespeare, uh, Sherlock Holmes story where the clue was the non-event, the dog that didn't bark, right, mm. was the main clue. What you've seen in Parliament this week is the clue mm. that we were right all along that what happened to Christine Holgate had nothing to do with watches because where is the outrage? Where's Kimberly Kitching? Did Kimberly Kitching say a word about this million dollars just to retain executives from a mess that she helped to cause? No. Did Michelle Rowland, who's the Shadow Communications Minister, she tweeted about it, but did she raise it in Parliament as she had done back in 2020? She was the one that started asking questions in question time of the minister about the watches, mm. and then she was followed up by Albo. Mm. Did Albo hop up and ask about this? No, nothing. Did the Prime Minister say anything? Did he express outrage at this? Million dollars just to maintain, retain fat cut executives? By the way, mm. as, as, as Sarah Hanson-Young pointed out then, on top of their existing bonuses, yeah, this, this is a bonus a, on a bonus? Um, uh, Lucio de Bartolomeo came out to try and justify this, saying mm. this was part of the overall agreed upon package because of the key performance indicators and all these other things. No, they weren't. That's it right. Was false. That's he, it. He, again, well, it's not a surprise. We saw this last year. He lied. Well, it's, and he said a, a common he, from the beginning him. when they kicked, when they threw Paul and Han, uh, Christine Holgate under a bus, um, he said, I would never have approved the watches. Mm. Well, he's just approved these payments. Mm. The board, I mean, one of the most disgusting things I saw was Tony... The board is sacked with Liberal Party hacks, as you, mm. as you mm. reference, right? The leader of them is this, is this 
um, guy named Tony Nutt. Tony Nutt is the fixer, the Liberal Party mm -hmm. fixer on the board, and he appeared before the Senate inquiry. He was he worked for John Howard back in the day. He's a he's the main power at Australia Post, frankly. Mm -hmm. Lucio is just a, a puppet. Um, he was sanctimonious before the hearing. I would never have approved the watches. He's approved these payments, mm -hmm. right? And no one is saying a word. And so the only thing, so I want to. There's a couple of points to be, to be drawn from that. We were the only party to question the fake outrage in 2020, and learn something, Aussies. Don't fall for this fake outrage. It's garbage. We saw the fake outrage and thought, what else is going on? And we started asking a question. And the questions that led this story to emerge. The real story here was this incredible executive, Christine Holgate, not only had done such a brilliant job at Australia Post, but she, did, she made enemies on two fronts. There was a plot, a long-standing Liberal Party plot, to privatise Australia Post, and she opposed it. And she was so good at her job, they were never going to get it passed with her in there. Mm -hmm. um, that all came out, thanks to the inquiry that, emerged afterwards, right? And we have stopped that plot for now because it's been exposed. She was the obstacle to that plot. And the more important thing was she had expressed support for the idea of Australia Post becoming a bank. And when I heard that, uh, I thought and she's I would made actually say, Even more than just express support and interest, I understand that those executives that were working on the bank at Post deal were also actively pursuing what it would take to transition Australia Post into being its own bank, uh, you know, uh, uh, servicing uh, uh, banking customers. Because what they were looking at... They, the, and the, expressing that uh, interest in meetings in Parliament. Now, I do know that they were, Christine, they were, they were setting up the infrastructure that yeah. could have been used for that. So, yeah. so it was well underway uh, and, and enthusiastically so. So from someone in her position to be pushing it that strongly, um, they had to take her out. These big banks, um, uh, we heard from John Darlson, uh, former ANZ uh, director, who said, you know, when they saw this happen in New Zealand with, um, with uh, Kiwi, Kiwi Bank, Bank they were watching Bank. it like a hawk because they knew this was going to change the entire political landscape and the banking financial landscape. They, so it, they, they knew what was coming and they had to kibosh it. And... Um, the, the other thing is we know that, yeah, there were meetings taking place in Canberra where Christine uh, was indicating uh, and expressing how enthusiastic she was for this. And in 2018, yeah. Michael West from Michael West Media um, actually reported mm. on the, the moves by Christine Holgate to turn Australia Post into a bank. And he, and he predicted prophetically mm. the private banks will fight it tooth and nail, mm. right? And that's what ultimately brought her undone. Because what the banks fear from a postal bank is it will break their monopoly. And that is why we need it, <laughs> right? What they fear the most is why we must have it. So we're the, we're the Citizens Party. We, we, had our, we supported this idea of a postal bank. That's why we got involved in this Australia Post campaign. We've had, we've, in the last 18 months, we've still mm -hmm. had people say to us, no, 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 you're over. No, this was all about the watches. You can't give $20,000 in watches. Well, now, if you had that view until now, you've got to drop it now. The lack of reaction to this million dollars in bonuses now proves it's nothing to do with it. It was about what she stood for as a threat. And what Australians must do now is get behind our policy. We've got a bill, the Commonwealth Postal Banking Savings Bank Bill 2022. Um, Bob Catter is prepared to introduce it into Parliament. The Parliament's trying to stop him from introducing it. The election may get in the way before he gets a chance to. 
but the policy is there. It will transform the banking landscape in Australia because it will break the monopoly of the big four banks. It will save regional communities and it ticks every box. It's a brilliant policy. Mm. Um, get behind it, right? Yeah. Take heart from this story and get behind the campaign solution. Robbie, that's the difference. With us, we don't have a member elected to the federal parliament. Obviously, we have our candidates. and uh, But what we do do very well is uh, draw up policy. We yeah. actually write legislation like this bill. Uh, modelled on the precedents, the history, we've looked at the Commonwealth Bank, how it began. We've looked at the examples of postal banks around the world. You, on this on Citizens Inside, our sister program, uh, interviewed Daisuke Kotagawa, who uh, is a top-level uh, banking uh, you know, figure in Japan to explain how it works over there. And one of the themes of it is it's not there to be a monster profit maker. No. It's there to be a community economic driver for the economy at the local level. Um, and that's uh, you know what we were talking about with our candidates uh, last night in a discussion about this. Um, one of the problems out there is the banks are trying to centralise all of their control to monopolise the banking system, but all bring it under Sydney, bring it under Melbourne, where even bank uh, you know local bank branch managers don't have the discretion to grow their communities like they once did. So. And they're, they're withdrawing their banks. The, you know, the breathtaking speed of bank closures in this country is why any candidate who's not already on board this is out to lunch. For um, sure. And if they're equivocating, like I've seen letters and, um, you know, Dr. Ann Webster, National Party MP, who's got people screaming about all the bank closures in the Mallee, um, you know, saying, oh, well, we think we might be able to do, think we might be able to do this, think we might be able to do that. Stop thinking about it and get the debate in Parliament now. We've got a bill to talk about. Bob Catter's prepared to introduce it. These guys have to show a bit of um, guts and um, stop, uh, stop being sophist and, and uh, uh, pl just pretending and get on with it. Hear, hear. Now, Glenn and I could talk about that subject all day, but we're <laughs> short on time. And there's another issue that reveals corruption. And this time it's not watches, it's gold bars. Mm -hmm. And a fascinating exchange happened in Senate estimates this week that has got to be seen to be believed. So Senator Jared Rennick, who's the Liberal Party senator or LNP senator for Queensland, um, he's been one of three senators who, for the past few years, have taken advantage of the fact that the Reserve Bank has, to, has recently had to start reappearing before the Senate. And... A lot of senators turn up to, in the economics committee to ask questions, but there's three senators, Jared Rennick, Malcolm Roberts and Nick McKim, the Green senator, who actually ask really good questions because their, prem, their questions are premised on we need to change this system, it's not working. The, other, the major parties, they're just, they're just kissing the RBA's butt, to be honest. Um, one of the issues that Rennick, though, Senator Rennick, has focused on in this regard that's a bit unique is Australia's gold holdings... That the, that, the, that the Reserve Bank is, is responsible for, but they're held in the Bank of England in London, right? And for a long time, there's been a lot of suspicion mm. about how our gold holdings, and we've got 80 tonnes of gold over there, that's Australia's gold reserve, how our gold holdings, how secure they are, whether they're used in 
speculation that involves lending gold out, right, that, that speculators can then use and what the consequences of that are. Is, is the gold there that the government says it's there, etc.? And of course, there's, there's, there's um, checks and balances for all this, Glenn, including audits, right? Mm. So we're going to play the, the exchange between Senator Rennick and um, Reserve Bank Deputy Governor Guy Dubell, where Senator Rennick's following up, up from the previous Senate estimates questions. And in the meantime, the Reserve Bank has replied to him with a letter that Senator Rennick references and the letter acknowledges, and this is a big deal, from the Reserve Bank, the letter acknowledges that gold in, held in the Bank of England in London has been involved in fraud and forgery. This is quite an acknowledgement. And so Senator Rennix wants to know, well, what should, how concerned should we be about our gold? Have a watch. Now, I'm going to give the call first to Senator Rennick, who's got to go to another committee. So, Senator Rennick. Yeah, hi guys, how are you going? Hi, Senator. Uh, look, um, I just want to follow up on the last set of questions I asked at the last estimates uh, in regards to our gold holdings and you know the letter that you'd sent to me that said basically the Bank of England had fake gold bars and duplicate serial numbers. Um, I just want to drill down a bit more on why the RBA didn't see fit to tell the Treasurer that that fraudulent behaviour had been going on at the Bank of England. So we don't, we didn't see fit to tell him because as we replied in your, to your question that the that's in the smaller one kilogram bar market, not the 11.3 kilogram market that comprises our holding. So we did not see this as an issue. Well, I mean, regardless of the size of the bar, it's 80 tonnes of gold worth, you know, today's value is $6 billion. Don't you think that, you know, you've got an obligation to tell the shareholder, the key shareholder, the treasurer on behalf of the people of Australia what was going on? I didn't see it as affecting our own holdings, Senator. That's my, that was my assessment. Well, how would you know that it doesn't affect your own holdings if you haven't actually counted all our gold bars? And, and, and I'll note... Yeah, sorry, go on. As we also replied to your question, Senator, we follow Australian auditing standards in auditing our gold bars at the Bank of England, and that provides us with the appropriate assurance around those gold bars. Well, I'll question that because a large number of bars have been refined since 2015, and you yourself have told me in prior estimates that no gold had moved in over 20 years. So I failed to see if no gold had moved in over 20 years why gold bars would be be re-refined um, since 2015. So, as we also noted, when we lend gold bars so under our gold lending program, bars don't actually move. The ownership, the, the, we don't necessarily receive the same bars back as we lend. And so the serial, you know, the bars that we actually hold in terms of the serial numbers can change through time through the gold lending program. Well, and that then brings the question, if you're trying to audit serial numbers, how do you know that you're not, everyone's not being given the same set of serial numbers if you're not counting 100% of the gold, which you weren't doing? We've, we are not doing that, I agree with that, but we are following Australian accounting standards in how we audit those gold bars to provide the appropriate assurance under those standards. Okay, well, okay, you're following auditing standards, that's great, but we've identified that the custodian of that gold is actually had been engaging in fraudulent practices. Don't you think that's a good enough reason to bring the gold home and look after it ourselves? I don't think I would agree with your assessment, Senator. 
Well, well, I do, because gold exports are worth $28 billion a year to this country, and we've got the world's largest gold reserves. So the fact that the Bank of England was engaging in fraudulent behaviour, you know, we know as, I, as I pointed out to you last time, the private banks are doing that as well. They paid over a billion dollars in, in fines for manipulating the, the precious metals market. As I said again, isn't it in the best interest of the Australian people and the 70-odd thousand people employed in the gold sector that we actually make sure that we have custodianship of our own gold rather than someone that, you know, Bank of England who had fake gold bars and duplicate serial numbers? No, I don't agree with your assessment, Senator. And why is that? How can you justify that? Because I, have assur I am satisfied that we have, you know, we get the appropriate assurance about those gold bars. I, I'm not sure that I would agree with your assessment that the Bank of England has been doing fraudulent behaviour. Well, don't you think then we should go and count all 100% of our gold bar holdings to ensure that, not just 10%, to ensure that the whole 100% of gold is there? No, I think what I mean, my assessment is we should follow what the audit, what the appropriate auditing standards are, which is what we have done and will continue to do so. In the well, well, I've got question marks over the auditing standards. I've been an auditor myself and you always have to go and do a stock take and a stock take of 100% of it when you've got issues around uh, duplicate serial numbers. So anyway, I'll, I'll leave that, leave it at that. Now, <laughs> what you see there... And I wish we could play the whole thing, but it's just after that, Senator Rennick goes off on to another question that we'll follow up next week. We'll put Glenn. the links in the uh, YouTube description below for people no, exactly, to but, watch the rest. But that's, that was the gold question, right? And, and so ultimately, Guy de Bell cannot justify the lack of a proper audit. And so all he can say is, well, um, we follow the, the accounting standards, <laughs> right? That's their security. Now... This it's, is, <laughs> it's extraordinary. I mean, Guy DeBell is a long... You know, he's been at the RBA a long time. Yeah, um, yeah. These, are, these are the people who are in the modern world are like the high priests of finance. These are, are the, yeah. these are the, uh, the ones with all the forbidden knowledge that we have to, you know, worship for their, you know... For the, you don't question Because we priests. don't understand, you know, we yeah. poor plebs, we poor, yeah. you know, ordinary peasants can't possibly understand the intricacies of how this all works. And Rennick comes in and says, physical audit. You know, let's go check out how much gold we have in there. And you see him, you know, flip-flopping around uh, the whole time he's trying to avoid this issue. Now, there's a, there's a significance to this question that we, we look at it from a certain standpoint. Just full disclosure, the Citizens' Party are not gold bugs. We're not the people who say gold's the solution to everything, we need a gold standard. Um, however, there does need to be the Bretton Woods system that was in place from 1944 to 1971 was the period of the greatest productivity growth in world history, mm -hmm. those decades, that decade, two decades and a half. Um, and partly because the Bretton Woods system where the world's currencies were pegged to the US dollar and the US dollar was pegged to gold, but those pegs could be periodically adjusted. They weren't a, mm -hmm. they weren't a, um, a tightrope around any country's neck except the, the element of gold allowed you to measure whether a country was weakening its currency or not, right? It created stability, amazing financial stability, and that, that's real stability, and that allowed long-term investments that made the world productivity just soar, mm. right? Mm. That's what happened then. 
And so we we advocate returning to the Bretton Woods system. A new we need a new Bretton Woods conference so we can clean out all the the, the, the muck in the financial system, the squillions of dollars in derivatives, bets, etc. It's all got to be cancelled, and the countries of the world have to agree to something that re-establishes stability. And gold mm. would probably have a role to play in that again, right? Mm. So it's significant from that standpoint. But it's also significant because when they unleashed the current financial system, and in 1997 there was a wave of um, uh, deregulation of central banks. Our bank became quote-unquote independent under Peter Costello. Tony Blair made the Bank of England so-called independent. And they, 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 they just let them off the leash. A lot of speculation happened on the back of that. When Costello did it here, Glenn, he also sold Australia's gold reserves. People who are old enough will remember that. It was a massive mm. thing. We had much more gold at once upon a time, right? And suddenly he just sold it all off. And people were going, why are you doing that? Right? I think that was when it was about $200 an ounce or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, much, you know, for sure. You know, it's, it's much higher now. Um, so there's, there's a, and, and, and there's been a subsequent frenzy of speculation in all forms of financial instruments and commodities, et cetera, including gold. Um, so this is, a, this is not an insignificant thing. And the Citizens Party absolutely supports the calls of people like Senator Rennick and others that Australia's gold should come back to Australia. Well, right? a, a lot of our viewers are very concerned about the issue of sovereignty because... Yep. Uh, this is it's a fundamental i mean why mm. did um why was gold reserves an issue in the it was a form of stability to protect against speculation in the Bretton woods architecture yeah now that i mean everything is speculated upon now including rare earth metals it's less less uh, a security than it was under what you described just before but a, a question of sovereignty is why are we uh, not allowed to inspect our own gold in the vaults but underneath the Bank of England, the, the real question is, are they gaming the system? Is it even there? And the fraud that was, uh, you know, that um, has been identified where they're double counting or, you know, screwing up serial numbers um, just goes to say, like, any country would say um, this is unacceptable. Yeah. And I think one of the other, you know, f f facts is, when Germany wanted its gold back, it took seven years mm. um, for them to get it back, and that and Venezuela can't get its gold back. That it, it won't give, uh, yeah, the gold back to Venezuela because it's a country they don't like anymore, mm. and you know they don't like the regime there. So uh, these are the questions of sovereignty, which is just fundamental. What's wrong with bringing back the gold here? We could have our own Fort Knox, but I, w I just want to emphasise one thing about us, Robbie. Is you're right, we're not gold bugs. We see stability as the end here. We need a stable economy so we can plan 30, 40, 50 years ahead the economic infrastructure development of our, our country. Um, quite frankly, the best use of gold is on in the space program or in uh, <laughs> some form of science driver where it's got utility, not just sitting yeah, yeah, yeah. in a vault yeah, somewhere. Yeah. We want to see technological advancement, infrastructure advancement, and what facilitates that will be positively for if bringing our gold back to Australia and securing it here for some form of future financial architecture, all the better. Now, we're going to follow this story because this is quite... Senator Rennie's been pursuing this for a while. This, this last hearing this week showed he's getting traction, right? So we're definitely going to follow this story. We'll point out... We won't have time to spend on it now, but um, Glenn and I have the honour of knowing an amazing accounting expert in the UK named Prem Sicker, who's actually now Lord Prem Sicker, or Lord Sicker of Kingswood and Basildon. Um, he yep. was recently appointed to the House of Lords, and he's one of the few in there that I can assure you is definitely not corrupt. There's a great, we can put the link below, but he, his research, he was part of the team that did the research that's the basis of 
the Nicholas Jackson book called Treasure Island, which is also the basis of a, of a YouTube documentary you can watch called The Spider's Web. And, and you can Britain's see... Britain's Second Empire. Britain's Second yeah. Empire. But one of the things that, that um, uh, people like, experts like Prem Sikha, who is an accounting professor, pointed out that you have, even when you have audits, like he was saying, oh, it's been audited, so much corruption is hidden in these audits, audits because of the, the, these accounting standards. The, the fraud is in the accounting standards, right? Mm -hmm. So um, uh, that excuse that Guy DeBell used, experts like Prem Seeker will say that's where the fraud lies, in the accounting standards that allowed them mm -hmm. to get away with fake um, audits, all right? Anyway, we're, we're out of time. We've been, um, for, um, we haven't had time to go into that, but like I said, we'll follow this through. All right, finally, in the time we've got left, we do have one other item we want to cover um, because this is getting crazy and we're calling this two politicians who are destroying Australia. And we're going to talk about Scott Morrison and the aforementioned Kimberley Kitching. And they made, a, they made the front page of our magazine yeah. this week. Um, Probably not that they're the only two destroying Australia, but they are worthy of special mention for their role. In Arguably right now, yeah. if you rank the worst, they're one and two, and, I'll, and I'm going to back that up with, with absolutely why, right? So let's just go through it quickly, though, because we're, we're running out of time. First of all, Scott Morrison. I mean, I, I regard him, I mean, you can only go by what you've experienced in your lifetime, but I was, we also know quite a bit about Australian history. I don't think there's been a more despicable prime minister in our history. Um, in the time that Scott Morrison has been a member of parliament, and as someone who, um, you know, was raised in a in a very committed uh, Christian upbringing, where you where you uh, are exposed to the teachings of the Bible and Christ. Sorry, there's nothing Christian about this man, and we're going to start with that. What he did, the cruelty, that the 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 vindictive cruelty he inflicts on boat people and refugees. There's 37 young men locked in a hotel in Melbourne for the last four years and that's four out of nine years of their life just because they came to Australia by boat and he to get your vote to get your vote not because not to protect us it's not got nothing to do with protecting us to get your vote to get the vote of people who are whipped up to be made to be afraid they went to the lowest common denominator they said how can we make, what can we make people afraid of let's make them afraid of boat people right to get your vote he's torturing these people and he claims to be a Christian. And his immigration minister, Alex Hawke, also claims to be a Christian. Mm. And his social security minister, Stuart Robert, who crushes people on welfare, also claims to be a Christian. This is not Christianity. And Scott Morrison is the worst. And this week in I would Parliament... Hazard, I would hazard a guess, Robbie, that um, when it came to reading the parable of the Good Samaritan in the Bible, he might have just said, well, that was a... You've got to see it in its context, oh, in yeah. the time and place that it was said. It's... You know, we've moved on, you know, one of the reasons, modern times now. We can't, you know, can't, we have to be adaptable. But one of the reasons I'm so cranky about this, and we might play the clip, we hadn't planned this, but if, if, the, if the producer inserts it, you'll see what I'm talking about. In attacking Anthony Albanese this week, and I don't have any time for Anthony Albanese, but that man, Scott Morrison, stood there at the dispatch box, and one of the reasons he attacked Albanese, because in, Alba, in 2012 or 2011 or something, Anthony Albanese at a Labor Party conference said, he would not be capable of turning around a boat that has women and children in it. Mm -hmm. That's what Anthony Albanese said. He expressed a human emotion. He expressed mercy. He expressed, I'm not a monster. If I see a boat with women and children, I'm going to help them. And this so-called Christian prime minister attacked him for saying that. Mm -hmm. 
Australia has sunk very, very, very low under this man and under the governments that he's been part of. So, all right, I'll get off that high horse. He's a stooge for the banks. This is, what, this is where he first came to our attention. This is the, he, he opposed, absolutely, he did everything in his power to stop the um, Royal Commission, and he, he, he lost that one, thank goodness. He legislated bail-in. He was the treasurer who snuck the, the bail-in bill into Parliament and snuck it through. He was the treasurer who legislated bail-in. After the Royal Commission, Glenn, he made sure that he said, we've got to, we cannot let go of caveat emptor. We've got to keep caveat emptor. What's caveat emptor? Let the buyer beware. The doctrine that all financial victims and consumers are on their own. Mm-hmm. There will not be protections for them because it's the banks who want caveat emptor and he's the stooge for the banks. And of course, that's why he knifed Christine Holgate. Yeah. For the same reason. Just on that point about implementing the bail-in, the financial sector legislation uh, crisis amendment bill, on screen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's long. a mouthful. Very long time. Uh, he recently, when it, it, Glasgow came up and the climate, the green policy, you know, climate emergency, which is, it was, is rubbish, um, he said that we must, as a nation, uh, f- Go with the times. We must always conform to what international finance uh, prescribes yeah. for nations. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, right. <laughs> His big turnaround on climate change was oh, the, the global bankers told me so. because Mark Carney, the Bank of England, mm. and BlackRock, and these yeah, uh, yeah. these these uh, these hundreds of trillions of central bank funds are, are going to be locked out of Australia if we don't go with the green policy. Uh, so we can see that straight away his mindset is globalist. And it is also, uh, you know, to implement whatever dictates come down the line from these central banks or Bank for International Settlements. So that is not in the interest of the Australian people. And the last one on Morrison, and this is actually, it's because of this week that this, this segment's come up. He is a total stooge for the worst warmongering neocons in the United States and the United Kingdom that are trying to provoke war with China and now Russia. But... He has spent all weekend. He's thrown a McCarthyite fit in Parliament. Mm. He knows that on on actual fundamental foreign policy, elbows as pathetic as him. He knows that, but he's so desperate. This guy is on track to lose the election. Thank goodness, and he's so desperate to try and save his butt. He has thrown this McCarthyite fit where he's just lashing out. And in Parliament, he accused mm. Richard Miles of being a Manchurian candidate, which basically means China controls him. And he knows none of this is true, right? But what it does, though, is our exporters, our beef exporters, our other exporters, they're desperately trying to, to get some goodwill back with China, etc. And he is trashing it and making the strategic tensions much more dangerous. That's what he's doing this week. Just so mm-hmm. He's endangering Australia just to cling to power. Mm-hmm. Right? And that brings me to the next one, Kimberly Kitching. And we'll also get, at the end, we'll get back to what she did this week. Um, what, but why is this Labor senator so often Morrison's partner in crime. So just quickly, she's, as we said earlier, she's the one who set up the whole ambush of Christine Holgate. And it's no one, none of her colleagues understand why she did it. Mm. Out of the blue, the only the people who benefited the most from her ambush for, for something Christine Holgate had done two years earlier were the banks. Mm. She, not, she, she put this fixed, horrible smile on her face and she grandstanded over $20,000 in watches. And today, this week, she's been dead silent on a million dollars, right? Because it was all hypocrisy. She wrote these sanctimonious uh, opinion columns in the newspaper saying, I, can, I was concerned about taxpayers' money. Rubbish. 
She's a dirty, she's one of the dirtiest political operators in the parliament. And too often, what she does serves the Liberal Party and the banks. Yes, she's supposedly Labor. She loves attacking the Citizens Party, mm. right? When we got the Australia Post inquiry up, she attacked the Citizens Party in, in, this, in the hearing. She attacked me by name. She called me anti-Semitic. Um, uh, and then she followed it up with, with other vicious attacks. She, she waves around our Wikipedia entry, even though it was written by a person in her office. All the slanders <laughs> in Wikipedia about the Citizens Party were written by a person in, in um, her office. Um, and, but the worst thing, uh, uh, the latest attack on the Citizens Party mm -hmm. was last mm -hmm. week because mm -hmm. she, chaired, she ran this manufacturing inquiry, which we participated in in good faith. We want manufacturing in Australia. She used it to attack us for putting up policy solutions from the 50s and 60s. Yet when was peak manufacturing in Australia? The 50s and 60s. That's why we said this is what we did then. This, this should work now. And what's the main solution? A development bank. I, I think her, uh, her attack in this uh, report last week backfired tremendously, Robbie, because yeah. uh, by saying that we are singly focused on a national bank is a compliment. Uh, I take that as a compliment because... Yeah. You know, we've done the we've done the research. We've done the work in looking at our history. We know what works. It's worked before, and uh, and it will work again because it's a principle. And and for her to try and uh, attack us on that basis is actually quite um, quite uh, quite uh, uh, ridiculous. And that brings me to this week because while Scott Morrison suddenly amped up the China bashing in Parliament, she did too. Mm. And what happened was ASIO, which is not a, a, um, uh, an innocent player in this, ASIO is ultimately the ultimate source of all this anti-China mm. stuff, but ASIO claimed that there was a foreign interference plot they foiled. One of the ABC reporters who's close to ASIO, Andrew Green, he had said last week that it was a Russia thing. I don't know what the truth is. Well, first of all, I know that ASIO lies, so I don't really care what ASIO says, but... Kimberly Kitching was determined to make it out to be a China thing. And this week, in, she used parliamentary privilege to name a Chinese businessman, sorry, an Australian Chinese businessman, right? I mean, that's like calling me an Australian Englishman, mm -hmm. right? He's an Australian Chinese businessman, Chow Chak Wing, who has been accused of being a Chinese agent in the past. And every time he's sued and won, including on appeals, right? Because this is baseless. He's proven it multiple times. She used parliamentary privilege to name him in a pure stunt. Just look at the clip of that. Thank you very much, Senator Thorpe. Uh, I now give the call to Senator Kitching. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Deputy General. Um, thank you for your opening statement. <clears throat> I'm reliably informed that the puppeteer mentioned in your case study in your annual threat assessment speech last week is Chow Chak Wing. I believe it to be Chow Chak Wing. Are you able to confirm that it is Chow Chak Wing? Uh, Senator, as I've said before, I will not comment on speculation of who um, is and who isn't targets in general or in specifically as you're asking me there. I think it's unfair that you ask me that question in public. And what, the, what she has done, um, Glenn, is excel as, as one of the most vicious sinophobes in the parliament. And that's what she is. She's a sinophobe. She hates China. She's terrorising the Chinese community with her McCarthyism. And she's a wolverine. And these wolves, in other words, her best buddies are also liberals. James Patterson, Andrew Hastie and Erica Betts. These wolverines, they're not loyal to Australia. They're loyal to the United States and the United Kingdom, mm. right? They, they believe in, we're not, we shouldn't be independent. They believe in outsourcing our foreign policy to the United States and the United Kingdom. 
and they're stoking the wars that are going to result um, from those policies. Mm. We're raising this because people have to know their enemy, right? Yeah. This is, this is the modern McCarthyism brigade, the, the modern McCarthyites in Australia. Uh, that's what they are. Yeah. And they are causing absolute chaos um, the, for the Chinese communities in Australia. You know, when they trout at this stuff, this, this, this uh, tripe, like 40% of Australians are loyal, uh, to, Beijing. loyal to Beijing and uh, Chinese agents, effectively. That's the sort of stuff that's, you know, you know, it's divide and conquer. It's stirring up conflict. Who benefits? The war machine, the United States, the UK, uh, and our sovereignty goes out the window. Ironically, they talk about sovereignty, but they're the, the most uh, uh, no, opposite right. to that. And Glenn, that's why I'm raising it, because most of our viewers, most Australians by now, mm. will look at Morrison and Kitching, and on all the domestic stuff that we've exposed them for, they agree with us. Mm. Yeah, these people are terrible. Yet... 80% of Australians agree with Morrison and Kitching on China. These are the people who gave you all, all you think you know about China came via these conduits, right? Why would you trust them on foreign policy when you know they're a disaster on domestic policy and they don't serve you, they, they serve these vested interests like the banks? That's what you've got to resolve. It's why we're exposing them because we need to clean up Australia and we need to make sure we don't burn up in flames in wars overseas. But that said, Glenn... We've run out of time. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you. And no worries. You're becoming a regular fixture now, so <laughs> get used to that, viewers. Thanks for tuning in. Um, if you haven't yet received one, call in for a free copy or contact us for a free copy of the Australian Alert Service and tune in next week for more of the, of the uh, Citizens Report. Authorised by Robert Bowick, Citizens Party, Melbourne.